from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. The earliest that a fetus can survive on the outside, that we can help the baby on the outside, is about 22, at the very earliest, 22 weeks. Before that, the chances of getting to that point where you will have a baby that can survive on the outside is low. And the risk to mom is high. She can get infected. She can go into labor and start bleeding and start hemorrhaging. And so we wanted to make sure that we were not going to sit on these really scary cases and wait for a lawyer to tell us if it's a medical emergency or not. Um, We really wanted to emphasize that we were the experts who could determine whether a patient needed a procedure or not. I'm Rod Milan. In the wake of last week's U.S. Supreme Court overruling Roe v. Wade and Missouri's trigger law that effectively bans most abortions in the state, people have concerns about how the new state law is going to affect gynecological and obstetrics care here in the state of Missouri. Now, the law prohibits abortion except in cases of medical emergency, which it defines as serious risk of substantial and irreversible physical impairment of a major bodily function. How exactly that definition is interpreted, though, is up for consideration. For gynecologists and obstetrics care providers in Missouri, this is a critical definition, however, because the law states that any person who knowingly performs or induces an abortion shall be guilty of a Class B felony, and they could also face suspension or revocation of their medical license. Joining us now to discuss how providers see this new law is Dr. Jeannie Kelly. She's an associate division director of maternal fetal medicine, medical director of obstetric inpatient service and maternal transport, and medical director of the care clinic at Washington University. Dr. Kelly, thank you for coming on St. Louis on the Air. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So I'm very curious right off the bat, what was your reaction to the news on Friday, it was teased out a little bit earlier when we had the draft opinion that came out by the Supreme Court. And so what was your reaction to the news? And also specifically, what have you been considering um, as to how this new law relates to your practice and work with the patients that you see? Yeah, I'm a high-risk obstetrician. So I specifically take care of women and patients who have pregnancies that are complicated, that can be complicated because There is a uh, maternal disease or mom is really, really sick from a certain, you know, situation going on or the baby's really sick. Mm -hmm. And I think my first reaction uh, to the news coming out on Friday is uh, worry and concern because, um, you know, abortion is performed um, in Missouri very rarely already prior to overturning of Roe versus Wade. It really is only performed in situations of uh, you know, emergencies or very complex medical cases or very sick fetal diagnoses. And so knowing what the trigger law states in these narrow scope of kind of what is now allowed, uh, we were really worried um, for our patients. And do you have solid guidance on what constitutes a medical emergency now that that is kind of the law of the land of a pregnant patient underneath the new Missouri law, I guess, that has taken place because of the decision? I think that's the crux of my worry and our concern in the obstetrics and gynecology world. There are certain cases where we think a medical emergency is is pretty easy. 
if uh, a patient is hemorrhaging in front of you and is going to die unless the pregnancy is removed, that seems pretty clear to qualify as a medical emergency. Um, if a patient has an infection in the uterus that is causing her to be extremely critically ill, uh, removing the pregnancy is the only way to save her life in that instance. But I think medicine in general is not really black and white in many circumstances. And I think there are many clinical situations that we are concerned. You know, the, the law is vague and the law is not well-defined of these trickier situations where we're not sure, is this a medical emergency? Does it qualify as an exception to this abortion ban? Um, or would we be risking our licenses and our, you know, you know, we'd be risking jail time if we mm-hmm. performed the abortion in this circumstance. So it's early days um, since this change in the law has actually taken effect. Have you had any cases yet where you've had maybe a borderline decision? Um, it's only been a few days. I am thankful to say that I have not been personally faced um, with a situation so far. Hmm. But are you concerned about the chance of a pregnant patient's uh, medical emergency being called in the question because, you know, is it really emergency? You said yes. There are two circumstances that you that you came up with. One of which was you know bleeding in front of an actual doctor. Um, but what's it like? And again, it's early days to have those kind of questions now have to creep into your mind. Oh, it's um, it's stressful. You know, I think we have watched our colleagues in Texas already go through this um, with the heartbeat bill that passed there a few months ago. And there are some very concerning uh, stories that have come out from our colleagues in Texas, you know, hospitals, doctors, healthcare systems that have sat on um, really scary cases like an ectopic pregnancy where the embryo is implanted outside of the uterus. There's 0% chance that that uh, pregnancy can be normal. There's 0% chance that that a baby can be born from that pregnancy that will survive. Um, And the you know, risk for mom for a death and or, you know, irreversible bodily harm um, is extremely high mm-hmm. in that circumstance unless the pregnancy is removed. Um, we've heard stories where uh, hospitals, doctors are, are scared and have sat on these cases instead of providing standard of care. Um, these are really concerning stories, concerning um, situations that are coming out of these states. And, you know, we definitely are worried that that will happen here in Missouri. Do you have another example as well on top of the, the ectopic uh, pregnancy that you can think of? Sure. Um, one of one of the situations that is really tricky and really gray at this point is sometimes, let's say you break your water at 18, 19 weeks. Um, the earliest that a fetus can survive on the outside, that we can help the baby on the outside is about 22, at the very earliest, 22 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if the baby is born at 22 weeks, it's a scary course for that baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all of them will survive. Most of them will not. But if you break your water even earlier than that, four or five weeks before that, the chances of getting to that point where you will have a baby that can survive on the outside is low. And the risk to mom is high. She can get infected. She can go into labor and start bleeding and start hemorrhaging. This is that gray area that 
we're not really sure how to interpret the law. Um, and I think there's a lot of concern in the obstetrics community. What can you offer this patient? Um, if she says, I don't want to, I don't want to take on the risks of continuing on the pregnancy. We're not entirely clear um, what that falls under. Now, in that particular case, has that been encountered in Texas already that already had, um, that had the, the, the fetal heartbeat law in place? Um, absolutely. So I think uh, that situation, you know, even before Roe versus Wade was overturned, has been interpreted differently by many different hospital systems. And there would be different things offered to different patients, depending on which hospital you were in, um, if you found yourself in that situation. Okay. And we had a question actually that came in from Pat on Facebook, and it kind of skirts around the same issue that we're talking about. How does the state define what, quote, severely threatened, close quote, means? Does her doctor have to determine her chances of surviving the birth? Is it an 80% chance? Is it a 90% chance? Can the doctor be sued if they are wrong and the mother dies in childbirth? Those are three different questions. And again, you said they haven't been decided yet, but do you have any sense of, uh, of what Pat was talking about on Facebook? You know, these are the question, very questions that we're all grappling with in the obstetrics community. Um, how, how close to death is a medical emergency do you have to be? Mm-hmm. That's not defined by the law, and it's extremely vague, which is up for interpretation. Um, you know, as, as for me, as an expert in this field, I feel that it is my expertise and my ability to tell when a patient is in a medical emergency mm-hmm. uh, where I can determine that if we don't remove the pregnancy that she is at risk for dying or having you know, irreversible bodily harm as per the law. But I can imagine that there are you know, other doctors who are really scared um, and who are fearful of making the wrong choice. And the other side of this is if you don't make that choice, women will die. Mm-hmm. So also from Instagram, uh, a user named Aurelia asks, how will this ruling impact the treatment of miscarriages? And will medications and dilation and curatage procedures, also known as DNCs, will those still be available? Yes. So per the law right now, miscarriage management in the state of Missouri has not changed and should not change from the standard of care. That being said, um, I can understand that there may be reluctance uh, among physicians, nurses, hospitals of treating certain miscarriages because they do involve some of the same procedures and medications that we would otherwise use for abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're at WashU. Do you practice um, at WashU clinics or do you practice uh, at BJC health centers? Uh, I do both. So we're employed by WashU. Um, and I practice um, at a variety of BJC hospitals. Is this the discussion that you've that you've had with some of the doctors um, who would normally, um, before last Friday, have been involved in procedures that might be considered abortions? Absolutely. This has been an ongoing conversation ever since the leak came out a few months ago, um, kind of prepping for this day. Uh, knowing what our colleagues in Texas have gone through, we wanted to make sure that we all understood it is still our job and within the law to provide care that saves a woman's life and or prevents uh, bodily harm. And so we wanted to make sure that we were not going to sit on these really scary cases 
and wait for a lawyer to tell us if it's a medical emergency or not. Um, we really wanted to emphasize that we were the experts who could determine whether a patient needed a procedure or not per the standard of care. Mm-hmm. With those, and we, we talked specifically about some of the procedures that, can, that have gone through, and with now the standard being uh, really basically in case the, the mother actually dies, what levels of consideration are given to uh, the child if the child were born, like if the child were still born, um, is that in the gray area? Is that something that you've that you found as well? And have you learned anything from the Texas doctors who were dealing with something more along the lines of the Supreme Court uh, decision that came out last Friday? Yeah, uh, I would say that a stillbirth is um, along the spectrum of a miscarriage. And management of a stillbirth would not change based on the um, trigger ban that's in place right now. Again, that being said, many of the same procedures and medications that we use to manage those stillbirths are also used in abortion. Uh, And I certainly worry that there will be reluctance to use them appropriately. So what qualifies as a stillbirth? I mean, is the Again, these are these are questions that are really up in the air. If a child were born severely brain damaged, if they were carried all the way to term, and I guess that wouldn't be stillbirth, but that would be birth with severe damage to the actual child once the child was actually born. Uh, would it be if they were born without lungs or if lungs were on the outside of the body or if the brain were severely damaged? Again, these are questions that are kind of up in the air. Have you addressed those yet or have you learned anything from, from Texas? These are really great questions. So a stillbirth is defined by a pregnancy that passes away on the inside. Prior to 20 weeks, it's called a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. After 20 weeks, if the heart stops beating, it's called a stillbirth or an intrauterine fetal demise. Uh, The second part of your question uh, refers to fetuses and babies who have very serious illness. Um, That could be anomalies that are not compatible with life on the outside of the uterus and or will result in a short and, um, you know, complicated life for that baby once it's born. Prior to uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned, um, there are a number of clinics in Illinois um, and close by who would offer these patients um, a surgical abortion if they decided that uh, bringing a pregnancy like this to term was not right for their baby or that was not a life that they wanted for their baby. We, as high-risk obstetricians, we could offer um, for some families who wanted to deliver the baby, to hold the baby, um, these are, you know, after all, desired, highly desired, highly wanted, highly loved pregnancies. Um, for the ba- For the families who wanted to deliver the babies and hold them as part of their grieving process, we offered them what's called an induction abortion, where we induce labor. Um, they go through labor, they birth the child, and they're able to hold um, you know, the baby after it's born. Um, however, after Roe versus Wade has been overturned, that's, that's no longer something that we can offer our patients. And one final question, what conversations are you finding yourself having with other health care providers, again, in these early days, including nurses and other OBGYNs in the wake of Roe being overturned? I think it is... Um, you know, we have to understand that this is not just an obstetrics and gynecology problem. We share a lot of patients with many other specialists and subspecialists. We have pregnant moms who've had liver transplants. We've had pregnant moms who have brain cancer. 
We have pregnant moms who have really complicated cardiac disease. These are patients of other providers, cardiologists, uh, gastroenterologists, neurosurgeons, et cetera, who all have to uh, take care of these patients now when they're pregnant as well. We are really trying to um, spread the word among our, the whole medical community that you know this this uh, Roe versus Wade impacts not just us but their care as well. Um, we emphasize you know talking about family planning with these patients, talking about contraception if pregnancy is not in their future, and if pregnancy is being contemplated, to please come see us to talk about that. Um, you know, and plan for it in the healthiest way possible. And how are you asking those questions of your your colleagues that are in uh, different areas of specialty? Uh, it's there are conversations that are that are ongoing. I think everyone in the medical community is aware that this is a pretty big change that has happened across the country. Um, and we we are having those conversations with each of those specialties. Okay. Dr. Jeannie Kelly, she's an Associate Division Director of Maternal Fetal Medicine, also Medical Director of Obstetric Inpatient Service and Maternal Transport, and Medical Director of the Care Clinic at Washington University. Thank you very much for joining us today on St. Louis on the Air. Thank you so much for having me. Today's episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.